First Samuel chapter 1. There was a man from Ramahvathasophim, that's how you pronounce it, uh, in the hill country of Ephraim. His name was Elkanah, son of Jeroham, son of Elihu, son of Tohu. Aren't you glad we didn't read this together? Um, son of Zuf, an Ephraimite. He had two wives, the first named Hannah and the second named Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah was childless. This man would go up from his town every year to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of Armies at Shiloh, where Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were the Lord's priests. We're in a weird generation right now where we name our kids strange things. So I used to make fun of these names. I've learned there might be a child in here that has named one of these (laughs) names, right? So I will not make fun of them. Verse 4, whenever Elkanah offered a sacrifice, he always gave portions of the meat to his wife Penina and to each of her sons and daughters. But he gave a double portion to Hannah, for he loved her even though the Lord had kept her from conceiving. Her rival would taunt her severely just to provoke her because the Lord had kept Hannah from conceiving. Year after year, when she went up to the Lord's house, her rival taunted her in this way. Hannah would weep and would not eat. This is the big question. Hannah, why are you crying? Her husband Elkanah would ask. Why won't you eat? Why are you troubled? Am I not better to you than 10 sons? Today we're going to look at, we're actually, we just ended 1 Corinthians. We're going to be entering next week into the life of King David. I'm very excited. It's going to be an eight-week series looking at the life of King David. And really, it's looking at uh, the journey and the journal. We're going to see his life story in First and Second Samuel, but also how we interpret it through the Psalms. It's going to be really good. Uh, but I figured oh, a great way to start it is Hannah, because without Hannah, maybe David wouldn't have come into being, because Hannah gives birth to Samuel. And Samuel is the one who anoints King David. Uh, and so we want to look at this story. Now, what we have here, Hannah, is a mess absolute mess. She is torn up. It says year after year, she was irritated. She wept a lot. She wouldn't eat a lot. She was provoked. And so she was in a very, very bad state. As a result, um, one translation, I think it's in the ESV, it says in verse six that Hannah grew irritated. Now this word irritated, I did some research into it this week. I'm not a Hebrew guy. I love Greek. So I had to really rely on a bunch of other, maybe, hopefully this is real. I don't know. I didn't learn in school, but I found it on a commentary. And this word irritated in the Hebrew is used several times throughout the Old Testament. This is the only time it refers to somebody's emotional life. When you look at the same word irritated throughout the rest of the Bible, it's referring to a hurricane a storm, a raging storm where everything is chaotic and things are going left and right. And what's interesting here, the writer is trying to say, listen here, Hannah was so discouraged. It was like a hurricane. Nothing was going right. And what's really, really sad as you read this text, it happened year after year after year. And I can't help but imagine there's some of us here that kind of feel that way right? It's like, God, I love you. I'm here for you. There's certain things in life I feel like are going well, but there's other things in life that aren't going well at all. What what are you doing with me, God? And it's just utter torment. And so I think this will be really encouraging for us. So I did some studying trying to figure out why was Hannah so torn up? I know not having a child is really, we think it's bad today. It's really bad back then. It was really kind of your entire existence. 
But here's what happened. I think Hannah was frustrated because she found favor in some areas, but she was fruitful and fruitless in other areas. So she was blessed when people look at her, oh man, your husband loves you. Everything is going great. Man, you kind of have everything together. But Hannah would think, oh, you think I have it together. You think I'm doing all the right things, but the one thing I want, God won't give to me. You guys ever feel that way? Uh, for me, I was praying through this. Um, we're introducing a 21-day prayer and fast, and I'm going to talk about it a little bit later. But I've kind of felt like we're in a season where I absolutely love each one of you. Last year, not so much. But this year, I just... <laughs> like, we have some members where I'm like, guys, you guys are incredible. Like, I love our team. Like, squad goals. You know what I'm saying? But then it's also like, God, all right, but I believe you have way bigger visions for us. I think we're going to do way more incredible things. How come those things haven't happened yet? And I think we I kind of agree to that in our own individual lives, right? We believe God's going to call us to do these things, but we're also like, okay, God, I've done everything. I've studied, I've researched, I've put everything in place. I've created the cult. What's left, you know? And that's where Hannah was. Hannah, it seems like if anybody would deserve children, it'd be Hannah, because after all, think about it, we have Elkanah, he has two wives, which can we just, let me just say, that is not something that's cool. I think one is more than enough, amen? Like, let us not be like, oh, lucky. I'd have been like, that is a lot of listening, you know? So um, Elkanah, man, pray for him. Uh, but, but think about it, in, in the culture, he should have loved Penina, because Penina was just pumping out kids like my wife is, you know what I'm saying? Just left and right even having boys, you know, and girls and just everything. And, but for some reason, she, he loved Hannah. And I, and I can't help but think like, man, that's so much of what I think, because we're incredible, right? And, and, but, <laughs> no, okay, but it's kind of like, man, God, like, I'm Hannah. People like me, you know, like, I'm doing all the things right, but why does that guy down the road get everything I want? You guys with me? Why does Penina, I mean, who likes Penina? So next time you see your neighbor, like, what's up, Panani? I mean, uh, you know, like, you. Like, but isn't that interesting how God works that way? And I think this will really help us. Here was Hannah's biggest issue, and then we'll go through the text. The biggest issue is that she couldn't bear children. Now, in her culture, I think it's still a cultural pressure here today, but in this culture, we have to realize your children were your entire identity for three reasons. Number one, it gave you income and status. So if you had a child, that meant they can work for you. They get to work the land for you. If you're a shepherd, they would also be a shepherd alongside of you. You guys know free labor, right? And so uh, those things, but if you don't have children and you're growing old, you still have to be the one that does all those things. Along with that, it gave you a caretaker when you're old. All right, young people, remember that. <laughs> you, you, they wiped your diapers, you one day will wipe theirs, okay? And so that's kind of the reversal of life. And so that's how it, I see all the parents looking at their kids like, you hear that? <laughs> you, I do so, uh, me, never mind. Um, but so, so that's the situation. So they're thinking, man, I'm going to have nobody to look after me. It's really, really detrimental not to have a child. Another thing that, the reason why I think a lot of people brought cultural pressure in the city, like if you're walking in Target and you don't have a kid in your basket, this, people looked at you weird, although they look at us weird because we have three kids that look the same age and people are like, what did you do, right? My poor wife, she says she gets the meanest looks from old ladies all the time. I said, mean mug them back, girl. Okay, but another thing in the community here they needed to have kids in order to protect their village from other villages overtaking them. 
So it was their army, which I would not have contributed back in the day. I, by the way, when we talked on podcasts this week, I got to the point where I don't even want boys. You know, like my girls are great. Um, but if God wants to give me one boy, that's fine. But I love, I really do love my girls, and I don't think there's any like difference in value. But especially in the culture then, it's like, look, we need an army. We need you not only to have kids, but we need you to have boys and not sissy lala boys, okay? Like we need you to have some men because we love our city and we want to keep it that way. A lot of pressure. So Hannah every day is thinking, God, like I'm trying to do everything right, but I'm not fruitful. Like I'm not helping anybody in any way. My life is going to end because I don't have income now. I don't have somebody to take care of me. We are not winning battles because of me. And it was all sorts of heartaches and issues. But I want us to see here, to really apply to us, there are two major problems that Hannah is dealing with. And I dare to think that every single one of us also deals with these two problems, and it may be why you're so discouraged, it may be why you're so depressed, and it may be where you also feel like a hurricane is happening inside of your emotional life. You with me? Problem number one. It's not in your notes, but you can write this down. It'll be on your notes eventually. Anyways, problem number one, she didn't meet the standards of society. This is what killed her. This is what bothered her. She didn't meet the standards of society. Penina had kids left and right and is actually rubbing it in Hannah's face. Nah, 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 nah. I just popped another one out. You know, and so and Hannah's like, I just want one. And Penina's having them over and over because this was a cultural pressure of the day. How I want us to recognize is, guys, we as a culture, are, the culture has certain standards that we impose on ourselves as well. Some of us, even in the church world, for me, the standard that people try to bring on pastors is how many are you running, right? You need to be reaching these certain benchmarks at certain times, and if you're not, then you're a loser. And that's something all my pastor friends, we stress out about. It's like, oh, God, you don't love me then, I guess, because I'm not, this guy, Penina down the road is doing great. How come I'm not doing that great? There's a lot of standards. Some of you, it's beauty. Some of you, it's just um, job success, uh, reaching a certain notoriety, a certain number of Instagram followers, certain number of YouTube subscribers. It's these standards where, look, you're not an official YouTuber until you hit a certain benchmark, right? No one else deals with these problems except me, but like and subscribe, Um, but... Like that is something people deal with. We, we have all these standards and, it, and it, if we're honest, we get caught up in these standards and we can't enjoy all the blessings God has given us because we always have something more, the culture, the city, the people around us are demanding of us and we, we don't look at all the things we're meeting. We look at the very thing that where we fail, where we don't meet those standards. And that's a problem. And I think it's why a lot of us have that hurricane in our soul. Here's the second problem. So not only does she not meet the standards of the society in this text, but we also read that she had the sentiment of her husband. So she didn't meet the standards, but she did have sentiment. Guys, sometimes the thing that you don't have isn't what makes you depressed. It's the thing you do have because you're wondering, then why am I still depressed? I have everything I thought I needed. Some people, you finally make that money and you're thinking, oh, good and you're still empty inside. You finally reach that fame, and now you just feel guilty because you still feel like you did six months ago when nobody knew your name. This is something we all struggle with. This is something for, for Hannah, most would say, well, because you don't have a child, your husband probably hates you. And she's saying, that's what's crazy. My husband loves me. Like I shouldn't be irritated right now. 
I should be happy because there's no reason for my husband to love me. She, he should love Penina more. But, but because of the grace and mercy of my husband, I'm st- I still receive the double portion even though, I do, even though I don't deserve it. And some of us, we think once I have that person's sentiment, once I have that person's love on my life, everything will be okay. But once you get that person's love, guess what? You're still irritated. Anybody, anybody with me on this? It's, it's hard. It's like, God, I, these are the things I wanted. I got the sentiment and I'm still empty inside. Despite his favor, she was still frustrated. And here's why she was in so much pain. And I think it might be why we're in pain as well. Hannah was chasing her standards, Penina's standards, and she was chasing his sentiment. And it's the very thing that led to her detriment. This is point number one. Chasing others' standards and sentiment will always lead to your detriment. Some of you, maybe you have reached the standards, but you don't have the sentiment. Some of you, you haven't reached the standards, but you do have the sentiment. Some of you, you've achieved the standards and the sentiment. Some of you, you haven't achieved the standards or achieved sentiment. Guess what? You still, when you base it off of those things, whether positive or negative, it will always lead to your detriment. You will always be depressed and discouraged. I promise. I absolutely promise you. The culture is saying, Hannah, you will be happy once you have children. So she thinks, I gotta have children. I gotta have children. I gotta have children. The husband was saying, Hannah, you should already be happy. That's verse eight. You should be happy. I love you. I just gave you double portion. And yet she was still torn up and empty inside. How many of us can relate? This is the problem of the human condition. What are we supposed to do? This is why I'm excited that I believe God is calling us um, to something much greater. And I really think this will be a huge turning point for our church. It was a huge turning point for Hannah. Look at verse nine. Verse nine, it said, on one occasion... Hannah got up. So when I first read this, I thought, cool, you know, move on. Underline that. We'll talk about it once I'm done reading, but it's so good. So he got up, she got up, and they ate and drank at Shiloh. Honestly, notice that already. She was struggling with eating before. It said she would not eat in verse 7. And now, for some reason, in verse 9, she started to eat, which I know you're like, she obviously ate and drank every day. I know, but I think there's a reason they really pointed this out. The priest Eli was sitting on a chair by the doorpost of the Lord's temple, deeply hurt. Here that is again. Hannah prayed to the Lord and wept with many tears. Making a vow, she pleaded, Lord of armies. That's going to be really important. She's already declaring who God is before she even brings up her own problem. If you will take notice of your servant's affliction, notice the separation here. It's not God, you have to do this for me. It's God, you are the Lord of armies. You're the one who are absolutely in control. I am just a servant. I am a slave. I am not worthy of your affection, but I know I'm receiving it from you. This is so important, her disposition in her heart. Remember and not forget me and give your servant a son. I will give to him the I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and his hair will never be cut. This one, oh, this is so good. If you read this just once, you won't pick up on all this stuff. But look at this. Got up. This phrase here, some of your translations maybe say she, she stood up. She, she got up. Uh, this phrase actually implies when she's, she has resolved to take action and do something different with her life. That's so cool. So it's not just like she got up. Why would she say she got up? I didn't even know she was sitting. No, it was really saying, okay, I'm turning the page. 
I am moving towards something else. She is resolved. What I think we'll see here is proven. She is resolved to no longer chase standards and sentiment. She's done with that. I'm going to do something different. So in her resolution, she stopped. She decided, I'm not going to follow those things at all. And this is where I want to interject what I, we're going to do as a faith and family congregation. We are going to have a 21-day prayer and fast starting tomorrow. It's really convenient, October 1st to October 21st. I've been in prayer a lot, trying to ask God to be honest. I feel like we're in a season where everything's so great. It's not like we're terrible, but I really think there is more fruit for us to, to bring into the harvest and asking God, why not? And I thought, well, how have we prayed and really resolved to say, God, if you don't show up, none of this will work. And I realized, I repented this week, I haven't been leading our congregation that way. A lot of the way I've been leading is let's just try harder, let's do more. And those things aren't bad, but if our disposition is not just utter dependence on God, none of these things won't work. And so I want you to join me over the next 21 days, starting tomorrow. So eat whatever you want today. Praise Jesus. <laughs> starting tomorrow, we're going to have a 21-day fast. Here, click it on the screen. Here's ways for you guys to get involved. In fact, I want everybody to get out their phone right now and take a picture of me. No, get out your phone. Please don't take a picture of me. I do enough of that myself. Okay, and then that was kind of funny too. Uh, go to rtech.me. Hey, Brendan, can you show the rtech.me slide so they know what I'm talking about? The reason we do rtech.me is to reach and teach everyone for Christ. So if you just go to your browser, rtec.me. I don't see anybody with their phones out. I'm a little discouraged. So thank you. Okay, so you go to rtech.me. It's updated from that image. What you'll have, the very first button says 21-day prayer. I want you to click on that button, and that button will lead you to all the directions of how this 21-day fast is going to work, okay? Now, um, also, by the way, we just updated our tech.me where now it has a list of the upcoming events. It's a really quick way. We have our own website, passioncreek.church, but our tech.me is like a quick way to access just the utter essentials. And then you can go to the rest of the website. Did I explain that better, Shelby, this time more than ever before? Thank you, Shelby. Okay, so 21-day prayer, it kind of gives you the instructions. Now, Brendan, let's go to that slide. Here's how we want you to join us. We want you to, first of all, follow us on Facebook and or Instagram. Okay, so if you just look up Passion Creek Church on Instagram, our Instagram handle is passioncreek.church. Facebook is passioncreek.church as well, and that's our website, Consistent Branding. Okay, so follow us on Facebook or Instagram. I don't know what your flow is. I love Instagram way more, okay, because I'm young. Uh, but if you're not young, anyways, uh, you might be on Facebook. So we're going to every single day at noon, Tune in every day on Facebook or Instagram for a live prayer session at noon. At noon, we're going to put it on Instagram Live and Facebook Live on our pages. We encourage you to join in, and uh, we're just going to lead, me or one of our staff members, we're going to lead you in about 10 minutes of prayer. We're going to give you things to pray about, and we're just going to pray together. I think there's power in all of us praying individually, and we're going to encourage you to do that. But there's also so much power in us praying collectively. And so, and we're cool and hip, so we're going to do it on social media. Okay, now, another thing, on the website, on, if you go to rtech.me, it leads you to the, the URL for fasting and praying. Each day will have its own emphasis. So, on Facebook and Instagram in the morning, we'll post that day's topic. So, tomorrow, what's tomorrow's topic? Uh, 
God time. What does that mean? We want you to say, okay, God, I want to have alone time with you. Fasting is saying, God, I want to focus on you during these 21 days. So we're going to explain it each and every day, but tomorrow is God time. You guys with me so far? This is informational. We'll go back into the text, but I find this really important. So number one, follow us. Number two, tune in. Number three, join us. So what we're going to do is uh, we're going to celebrate the end of the fast through prayer, worship, and dinner on October 21st at Daddy O's Church, okay, at Heart Cry. It's just us, but we don't, Harkins won't let us have dinner here. So we're going to go to Heart Cry Church, uh, so it'll be in three Sundays at five o'clock at Daddy O's, okay? So Google Daddy O's, it'll totally come up. Um, no, it won't. Maybe it will, but not the right place. Heart cry is where we're going to be. Uh, and, and I really, I told Caleb this yesterday. He doesn't like it. Uh, but I told him, I said, hey, man, it, we're going to break fast together. Let's have breakfast. <laughs> he said, weird. Uh, but, you know, so I thought like pancakes, waffles, break fast for breakfast. Boom. That's why it's called breakfast. Anyways, there'll probably be burgers. I don't know. But we're going to celebrate. We're going to worship together and kind of just really commemorate uh, what this is in our life. I want you, I want to encourage you to think through what is something you need to fast over. Are there certain society standards that has really been eating away at you? I want you to fast over that. Is there certain sentiments you're running after people's affection more than you should? I want you to fast over that. I want you, if there are spouses that don't believe in King Jesus, I want you to fast over that. What are some things in your own individual life you are pleading for God to show up? We're asking you to fast. Um, Let me explain this a little bit more. There are three ways that you can fast with us. Are we doing good so far? I'm looking over there because me and Caleb pretty much. And Zhang, am I doing good? <laughs> okay. Okay. Three ways you can fast. Number one, it's on the website, but you can fast one meal a day. Now, I want this to be a sacrifice. I want you to be like, I never eat breakfast. Sounds good. Done. Like, I want you to be like a meal you usually eat, one meal where you don't eat. Now, during that meal, you don't just sit there and think, I'm so hungry. I'm so hungry. I need gum. Like, you don't do that. You say, God, you pray during that time you would be fasting. And it's a declaration saying, God, more than I want this substance of food, I want you to show up in my life. That's the heart of it. For some of you, and I will be doing this one, fasting two meals a day. For me, I will not eat until six o'clock every night. But you better believe I'm eating a lot at six o'clock. You know what I'm saying? But six o'clock, so I'm not gonna, I'm gonna wake up intentionally for, well, I already wake up anyways, but I'm gonna pray during breakfast time, I'm gonna pray during lunchtime, and then... I'm going to eat during dinner time. Amen. So that's another thing. The third option is for you to get creative. Um, Something else for me, you guys will be shocked. You will know that I am taking this seriously. I am fasting from social media from October 1st to 21st. That doesn't mean stop subscribing, but I will not, (laughs) I won't be uploading. I won't be looking on it. I will only be logging in for the Instagram live, Facebook live prayer time with you, but I will not be scrolling. I promise. Okay. That's something, because I'm going to be honest with you guys. I have been chasing after society standards when it comes to social media, and it has been eating away at me. I've been so frustrated because I'm like, God, that was a cool video, and I, nobody watched it. Stupid YouTube algorithm. Like It's like it's the devil in our household. <laughs> algorithm! Man, that is just... And so, uh, it's a demon, I'm pretty sure. Uh, but cast that out. But it's been so frustrating to me. And I'm, and I hate that. I hate admitting that. Like what a loser you care about those things. But you know, it's a it's slight balance. Cause I want people to, to see these things. because I'm trying to reach people for Jesus, but it has just become something more than it should be for my life. So that's an example to you. These things aren't bad things, but you have put way too much weight into them. So it's become a bad thing. 
October 22nd, you better believe my first YouTube video is going to be like, why I quit YouTube. It's People are going to click. It's going to be totally clickbaitable. It's going to be great. Okay? I'm so excited. I'm already thinking through how to title. I'm already thinking through the image. Okay? It's going to be awesome. But but that's something I'm doing. So I want to encourage you with that. Now, Caleb, he's smart. He's like, but what if they're fasting from social media and you want them to tune in on social media? What? Okay. <laughs> Sorry, Caleb. Caleb's like, why do I always get picked on? Well, it was a good point, and it made me mad. Okay. <laughs> Set it on your phone. Do an alarm at noon where uh, God has told me you are allowed to go on social media at noon uh, just for that. If you scroll, that's between you and God, okay? But you can do that. Also, you don't have to tune in with us, but we think it'll be really encouraging for you. Did I explain that well enough? Does that make sense? We want to encourage you guys. I encourage you tonight to really think this through. What is something that has really caused you a lot of depression, heartache, anxiety? And here's the thing. What is the one thing you don't want to give up? That's the thing you need to give up. I don't want to give up YouTube. I just passed 2,500 subscribers. I'm on a roll. But I realized, God, I put way too much weight into that. So I'm done with it for 21 days. So I'm going to encourage you with that. Now, how do we know what Hannah cut off? Because in this text, it doesn't specifically say that Hannah fasted. But we see it throughout the text. This is point number two. This is why fasting is so important. We can chart a new course once we've cut off the old source. You can only chart a new course in your life. You can only get up, stand up, and move to something different if you have decided to cut off those old sources of, of affection, of hope, of your security. You have to cut it off. That's why all throughout Scripture, God says if your hand causes you to sin, what? Cut it off. Now, please don't do that. I will get sued, okay? Um, that's what Trey told me. I'm fasting from my hand, okay? But it's a very serious thing. This isn't, oh, I'm going to try to do this. No, no, no. You need to cut it off. That's the only way to, ch to chart a new course. You must cut off the old source. Hannah cuts off. Hannah. All right, I'm fasting from talking weird. Hannah cuts off the old source. We know this by the Nazarite vow. Notice how it said in verse... Um, 11, I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and his hair will never be cut. This is insinuating a Nazarite vow. Let me explain this Nazarite vow. I hate time, but I'm going to hurry. Nazarite vow is if you are somebody who is not born of the tribe of Levi, you cannot be a priest if you're not born of the tribe of Levi. But there is a caveat. You can, if you're born in the tribe of Benjamin, let's say, but you really want to serve in the church, you want to serve in the synagogue, you want to serve in the temple, you are allowed to take a Nazarite vow. A Nazarite vow means you do not cut your hair, you do not, you only, you, you cannot partake in, in wine, and, and you are dedicating your whole life to the Lord. And you are pretty much a lay priest for those who are priests. So you are a priest assistant. You're a full-time assistant. You are literally raised in the tabernacle. Here's what this means. Number one, we see Hannah cuts off society standards. Because when you make your child into a, uh, when they make a Nazarite vow, they do not make you money. They do not give you income. They just serve in the temple. Everything's paid for for him, but he does not pay you anything. They do not make money. They just live off of donations from people, okay? Zero economic contribution to the family. So society standards say, why do you have a child? To make income? He, she's saying, I'm willing to give up that income. Another thing of why she's cutting off society standards, they don't take care of you when you get old. I'm going to tell my mom that. Mom, I'm a pastor, which is pretty much an Ezra vow, which pretty much means 
your sis, my sisters have to take care of you, you know? But, but what this means is Samuel will not take care of Hannah. Samuel has to live in the temple his whole life. You see, this is fasting at a, in a huge scale. He's saying, God, I want a child, and before I wanted it for the income and the stability, I'm saying, you can take those, God. I just want a kid. The second thing she cuts off, as you can imagine, she's cutting off her child's sentimental support. There is nothing like your child looking at you and saying, Daddy, right? It's like, yeah, that's right. I wish people love me like this. Come here, girl. You know, like I'm in the hero stage right now. There is so much emotional, sentimental support I get from my children because you guys are so mean to me. Um, and so, but, but she doesn't get to haul Samuel around at Target and, and have that joyful interaction and, and feel like she's supported by her child and that she gets to support her child. No, the, the child's gone. The child's at the temple. The question is, what do you need to cut off? What do you say? God wants you to get to the point where you say, God, I want this. And I'm realizing the only reason I wanted these things were for, to fulfill these standards and to, to fill this sentiment. I'm done with those. God, I am giving those on the table. I need you to give me those things. That's our desire for this 21-day fast. Let's hurry. Verse 17. Actually, let's keep reading verse, I'd realize I'd finished at verse 12. Verse 12, it says, while she continued praying in the Lord's presence, Eli watched her mouth lip reader, I guess. Hannah was praying silently, and though her lips were moving, her voice could not be heard. <laughs> Eli thought she was drunk. I love the Bible. <laughs> that girl's drunk, okay? And said to her, how long are you going to be drunk? Get rid of your wine. No, my Lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman with a broken heart. Duh, <laughs> you know, I'm a girl. Let me do this. Sorry if that offended you. I got three girls. I love them. I haven't had any wine or beer. I've been pouring out my heart before the Lord. Don't think of me as a wicked woman. I've been praying from the depth of my anguish and resentment. Let me encourage you. I want us to be a place where on Sunday mornings, you can come here and you can look weird. You can pray to God in any way, as long as it's orderly. Uh, don't be talking to me my message. We already talked about that in 1 Corinthians. But but this is a place where you forget those who are around you and you are just saying, God, I'm hurting. God, this is what's going on in my life. Let me sing these praises to you. This is why we worship. Um, but verse 17, I want to focus on this. How do we know that Hannah cut off these idols successfully? And how will you know if during this fast, you're doing it more than just a diet? Verse 17, Eli responded, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant the request you've made of him. Eli has no idea what she's requested. May your servant find favor with you, she replied. Then Hannah went on her way. I love this, guys. This, is, this gets me all emotional. She ate and no longer looked despondent. The next morning, Elkanah and Hannah got up early to worship before the Lord. Afterward, they returned home to Ramah. Then Elkanah was intimate with his wife, and the Lord remembered her. After some time, Hannah conceived and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel because she requested, because she said, I requested him from the Lord. Now, when people read this quickly, they will say, of course, Hannah got happy. She got a child. Man, how frustrating. Somebody who's never gotten that result. Yeah, it's easy for you to say, you are so happy. You, you, of course, that hurricane in your life is gone because God gave you everything you asked for. Oh, how good for you. No. I love that verse 19 comes before verse 21. <laughs> Queen Creek math. Verse 19 says, she prayed 
Then she had peace. Then in verse 21, then she got pregnant. (laughs) Guys, here's what I want us to get to. I want us to get to this point through this prayer and fast where you are able to rest before the result. That's when you know you're running after the heart of God. If, you are, if you're angry at God and you're saying, God, I will rest, I will be happy, I will finally have peace once you give me what I'm asking for. No, 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 that's wrong. You need to check your heart. You need to fast some more. Because in Christ, we are able to rest before the result. You will not experience genuine rest if it's always dependent on another result. You will not experience that peace if you're waiting for God to give you what you asked. Here's the last point. Our old source must be renounced, but it must also be replaced. So fasting is, okay, I'm done with those things, God. I don't want to search for those affections. But what's so important here for Hannah, not only did she say, I'm done chasing those standards. I'm done hoping that the sentiment will finally make me feel better. She is saying, I am running to something utterly different. That even if my God doesn't answer me, I'm still satisfied because my hope has been replaced in you, not in what you do for me. See, up until this moment, Hannah wanted a child for her sake. So if God immediately gave her a child, guess what? She would have used that child to still chase people's standards. She would have used that child to also give her some more sentiment. Have you thought maybe God hasn't given you what you've asked for because your heart isn't in the right place? Like that might be the thing that God is waiting for. God, I just, I wish you would do this. God's saying, I want to do this. But if I gave it to you, it would actually make you a worse person and a more depressed person and a more angry person. So I'm not gonna give it to you until you not only renounce from running after those affections, but to replace it with just leaning on me and me alone. That's good. That's really, really good. Oh, it's encouraged me so much. I wrote this down. It wasn't good enough to wind up on the screen, but God won't give you fruit until you change your root. What is your base foundation of why you want these things? So what did Hannah resolve? Hannah resolved, okay, I'm getting rid of the source of sentiment. My husband loves me, but I'm not going to let that be my happiness because it's not giving me happiness. Also, Hannah resolved to get rid of the source of standards. She's saying, I, I, I'll have a child, but in a way that even the community still doesn't even know that I have a child. I'm, not, I'm still gonna look like I don't reach the standards of the people. I'm okay with that. What does Hannah replace her affections with? She got rid of sentiment, she got rid of standards, and then she focused on salvation. I want you to get this. <laughs> the salvation of other people. In Genesis 12, Abraham, God gives a covenant to Abraham. I, I promise I'm almost done, but this is so good. God gave a promise to Abraham, said, Abraham, through you, all the nations will be blessed. You guys heard that before, right? Abrahamic covenant. Every single Israelite woman knew, when I gave birth to a child, yes, it gives me income. Yes, it gives me some emotional support. But through me, because I'm an Israelite, because of the promise given to me, I am actually bringing salvation to the whole world. Why? Because eventually, who did the Israelites who eventually gave birth? Jesus. Jesus was the one who blessed the entire world. So they knew me having a child is a part of that story. This was the encouragement to every single one. So, so for her, she was realizing, God, 
bringing my son into this world allows me to bring salvation to the whole world. The reason God has given you a dream is because he wants to save other people through it. If you are obsessed with the things that God has given you, if you're obsessed with the talents that God, all these things God has given you, you're saying, God, I, I want it. And now everybody's going to know I'm great. And now everybody's going to love me. He said, no, I'm not going to give it to you. Because that ain't the whole point. I gave you all the wiring I gave you. I gave you these hearts and affections because like what we said in 1 Corinthians, I want us to all get to the point where we realize God will do what he can do when you realize your dream is not about you. And this is the exact moment that Hannah had. And so God, Hannah said, God, I no longer just want to bring life into this world. I want you to use me to bring true life into this world. And that is exactly what happened because we know Hannah gave birth to Samuel. Samuel killed it, was incredible in the temple, way better than the actual priests who were born from Levi. And he did so good, he became the leader of the people, and he was the one who declared Saul to be king, and then he was the one who went to Jesse's house, the father of David, and found David and said, you, I am anointing you as king, and David is the best picture we have of the Old Testament of a foreshadowing, which we'll start looking at next week, of what King Jesus does in our life, and King David, from his line, from his seed, comes King Jesus, who eventually saves us all. So Hannah, when she finally got rid of those things and said, God, I want to be a part of your grand story, her name is mentioned all throughout the world, all the time, and it's always tied to King Jesus, the hope of the world. What dream has God given you? And what part of that dream have you made up thinking this is what I'll get from it? My prayer is through this fast, through this prayer, we throw that aside and say no sentiment, no standards. God, use these things for the salvation of the people around me. And guess what? When your prayers are centered around the kingdom of God and drawing people to himself, he answers those in a way you never dreamed of or imagined. 